Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Broke Down Podcast. My name is Jonathan. I am your host, and this is episode 106. Once again, it's been a little while. I'm uh, working on getting my life back on schedule, so we'll see how things go looking ahead. But in the meantime, you've got me here today, so let's make the most of our time. First, I'll remind you that the Broke Down Podcast is a founding community podcast with Osiris. Osiris Media is creating podcasts and experiences that connect you with the things that you love, whether it be new episodes of the Helping Friendly podcast, occasionally featuring yours truly, or their new narrative show, Sugar Maple, a show about a guitar featuring a narrator Fred Savage and a ton of original music. All of that can be found at OsirisPod.com. We've got a cool episode ahead. Lenny Stubbe, who was on this show way back on episode 31, is back again. He and I will be talking about a great late-era show, and by late-era, I mean 1995. Okay, so for those of you who didn't turn the thing off, thank you for sticking around. I'm going to fill you in on a couple other things before we get to the interview. First of all, Bobby Weir and Wolf Brothers released a live album, live in Colorado, and I will tell you something, it's freaking great. The Wolf Brothers are enhanced with Jeff Tementi on keys, Greg Lee on pedal steel, and then on a few other tunes they have some horns, and it's a beautiful album. It's two LPs, nice art, designed from podcast guest uh, Daryl Norson, uh, dead material, a couple of Bobby's standby covers, a tune from his Cowboy album a couple years ago, and a stunning cover of Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. This is a beautiful culmination of what Bobby's been building in recent years, easily some of his best post-Grateful Dead work. So please, please check it out. Um, It ends with Bobby saying, we'll be back in just a little bit. So I'm hoping there'll be another one coming. Maybe uh, something from the upcoming run at, I think it's Radio City, celebrating the, I don't know how many years it's been since uh, Ace came out, but it'll be that anniversary. So That's kind of cool. 50 years, I think. Jesus, that can't be right. I'm not good at math, so check my work. Um, Previous Broke Down podcasts, Dave Harrington and Alex Bleeker have joined forces with a drummer and bass player to form a killer piece, excuse me, a killer four-piece of a jamming band entitled Taper's Choice. They've only played a couple gigs in LA so far, but one is on the archive now. They also have a tape that's currently only available at shows, but I can tell you it's cool stuff. So keep an eye out for them. If you're in LA, especially, hit up Gold Diggers. They've got a show coming up real soon, I think. I, I, I don't know. Calendars are also not my strong suit. Anything with numbers is really just right out. Uh, <laughs> anyways, as I said, Lenny Stubby is a deadhead, a taper, a fish fan. He's a great guy. Uh, we are going to talk about a specific 1995 show, but also the year at large. You know, I'm I'm a fan of all things dead, so of course I can find some things to like. After the interview, I'll go ahead and spin some selections from the show. I'm not going to come back and announce them or whatever. You'll know what they are by the time they come on. So stick around for that. Real quickly, I'd like to remind you that you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BrokeDownPod. I'm on the interwebs at BrokeDownPodcast.blogspot.com. It continues to be helpful for you to rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, so please consider doing that, or at the very least, tell a friend. Okay, so here's my talk with Lenny Subi. I will be back soon with another episode. Until then, be well. First of all, thank you for 
bringing the show to my attention. One of those like offhanded tweets like, hey, try this front of board tape. And, uh, and I was like, okay. It had been a minute since I'd listened to a 95 show and a longer minute since I heard this one. I figure we'll talk about this and maybe just some 95 at large and maybe some of our own experiences that year. For sure. Keep it loose. Yeah, keeping it loose. I'm, I'm into that. That's the beauty of Twitter, you know? Like, I, I feel like when I get on Twitter, I'm super curious and uh, and I'm curious what you all have to say and feel like I've worked really hard to curate my timeline and kind of got things in the sweet spot and uh, yeah, nice. I get the right right amount of content and the right amount of opinions that I want. And I'm curious to learn. And I love when stuff like that comes up, it doesn't come up enough. I mean, it is what it is, you know, it's social media platform, but like, you know, we can get into the fun stuff like that and have like a really, uh, I don't know, I don't want to call it a high level conversation, but kind of um, dig into get granular, right. About like what makes it all so special. And uh, that's what I enjoy doing. And that's exactly what that little thread was. I felt and, and if I don't have uh, this podcast, then we probably we would have gone a lot further into it right there on Twitter. But I was just like, uh, let's I got I've got a forum for this. So let's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's so let's much, I mean, so much there to really just I don't know. It's all about uncovering. I think feel like those gems in every way, shape and form in this community. And, you know, like every podcast, I feel like strives for that. I could be wrong, but um, I feel like when you can get to that stuff, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, so um, just to eliminate the mystery, we are going to talk about, and this is for the, the listeners out there, we're going to talk about, uh, I'm on the, I, I was about to read a date that is the wrong date that is on my screen. We're going to talk about 5-26-1995, which is at Seattle Center Memorial Stadium in Seattle, Washington. It is the third night of a three-night run, the Friday night from a three-night three run. And uh, it's kind of a banger, uh, if I'm allowed to say that about a Grateful Dead show, because, you know, Grateful Dead shows predate that proper usage of that term. <laughs> but And yeah, as I said, you suggested a front of board tape, and I think that's what we're going to play for everybody. Uh, when I play them, you know, we'll play some highlights and stuff uh, a little bit later, unless we think we really need to just, like, drop something in the middle of the conversation for everybody. But uh uh, this is a kick-ass show. Um, where were we here? Let me, I'm going to pull. I have the Jerry bass as we were talking about ahead in front of me, but I'm going to pull the dead bass up because it really is easier to get a whole picture of what's happening because it all fits on literally on a page, particularly these shorter 95 set lists. So this is the, um, you know, I guess the beginning of summer tour. They did some West Coast, right, uh, from middle of May to beginning of June, then they took like uh, almost two weeks off before they went to Highgate. And uh, this yep. is near the end of it, right? So Yeah, and can I say like, I, I nothing I loved more in the, the few years, you know, I jumped on and, and well, it started in 92, but I really didn't get going until 93. And, you know, I absolutely just loved the spring tours. They were so consistent. Yeah. And yeah. it's just the, the structure of their tours were, especially in the 90s especially uh, there was a you know, nice predictive reliability to the point that i got yeah. programmed and come spring 96 yeah. something was missing it was so missing you know? yeah right yeah they they found the sweet spot with like their residencies in oakland right in like january february the winter residencies and then 
spring tour on the East Coast in the Midwest in March and April. And yeah. then they would do this California West Coast thing, uh, which was so cool in the 90s in May, right? You just popped up in May. And then this was like a part of that. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, let's, uh, let's go a little chronologically through the year because I want to I talk about, you mentioned the Mardi Gras slash Chinese New Year kind of semi-reliable appearance in Oakland. I went to the Mardi Gras shows in 95. Um, which was nice. wild. Like, you know, it was the 90s, so you could get away with weird shit. Like a friend of mine had knew a group of people who were going uh, from the D.C. area, where I was living more or less do now, I guess. Uh, and one guy couldn't go. And so I bought plane tickets and show tickets for all three nights from this guy. And I got paper tickets for the whole mess because that's what we had then, right? And I flew on yeah. plane tickets with somebody else's name. And without, I didn't even have a, I didn't have a hotel. I, I had an address of a hotel. Oh, love it. And <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old Yeah, and it was, it was a trip, man. I mean, yeah. okay. We could get into the music and, you know, some will definitely and not incorrectly say not the best shows, not the best of 95, you know, fine. I had a blast. I, I met some nice folks on the plane. St stayed with them in Oakland. You know, went to all three shows. Had just an outstanding time. Everything was perfect. So, Man, that is awesome. I did not know you hit those shows. It was always a dream for me to get to Oakland. But, you know, I, was, uh, I turned 18 in 94. So I was still 18 in the summer of 95. And getting to Oakland was like, just a dream like there was no way. so did you see the volleyball court in the back of the floor and the whole yeah. shebang it, oh, it was man. a wild scene man they you know and they had it was uh, mardi gras so they had a little parade we had oh. uh, was it david murray opened yeah. and yeah. yeah man it was cool it was it was uh i'm glad i got to experience it i know it wasn't the height of you know the bill graham era oakland kind of things but you get what you get. And just like you, it had been kind of the dream to go out and do yeah. that. And somebody said, Hey, uh, tickets and thing. And I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Well, I, I got a taste of it. I did the four nights of the LA sports arena in December of 94. Um, I did not have the ways and means to get up to Oakland or do anything more than that. I saw fish close the tour in Santa Monica and uh, nice. that, that was just, I'm so glad I, obviously I'm so glad I did that. And uh, I wish I could have circled around in, in February, but I was a broke teenager. So uh, they get out there 10 days in LA to sit, see four dead, Grateful Dead shows and one fish show was uh, a huge accomplishment for me at the time. Yeah, but, that's uh, a lot. That's that's a lot to put together at a, as an 18 year old, right? Yeah. And for me, that that's a whole nother show. So I won't even get there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Just a whole nother show, but I, I was just in there. I, I love these set lists. I would always look, you know, I used, I used run dead. I didn't get on, on the internet till the summer of 95. So I was always like one 900 red run dead. And my parents would yell at me and, and, uh, and I couldn't <laughs> wait for those tour dates to drop. And you just knew right. there'd be that, that West coast. And, uh, and then of course this, this particular tour, they, they did Vegas and Seattle, Portland and no Cal expo, uh, but they did the shorelines, um, 
but yeah, so so many different ways to, to slice this up, but this 526 set list is also extremely choice outside of the particular musical things that you and I had identified on Twitter though, right? I think arguably certain people will probably take issue with uh, easy answers and eternity. I will let them have easy answers, although I do like the way it kind of slides out of space. But I like this eternity. Like if you can hang with that song at all, I like what they're doing with this one. It's got a nice little jam. It's not long, but it's got a nice little jam. Uh, according to my dead bass over here, uh, Bobby's playing acoustic on it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the only one he did that for. Yeah, they noted in Jerry Bass, too. Um, only one he did that for that night. But, yeah, the Help Slip Frank is pretty good. I mean, yeah. what do you want? What do you want? Do you want 1976? This is not that band. This is, this is a pretty good 90s dead uh, Help Slip Frank. And killer yeah. energy to come out and start. Find me a show, another show, and I don't know how many there are. And there's not many that start start off with the helps of Franklin's and set set two goes set kicks off with Scarlet Fire. I mean, uh, this was the kind of show, not even just a set list, you know, that throughout that summer tour, and I saw a hand, good handful of shows that summer tour. This was the show people were still talking about on, yeah. on tour, you know, like Seattle. Like when you when you were talking to people, they said get Seattle right last night, get 526. Um, this is the one in eternity. I'm, I, I am glad I do want to go back to that. Like super glad you brought that up. I mean, you know, the song was, I think evolving in the acoustic Bobby was bringing that acoustic out a little bit more in 94 and then in 95, but that was his bird song, right? Essentially people were calling it Bobby's bird song. It had a nice, like weird, uh, okay. That's a technical term, right? No, it had this kind of dissonant vibe, uh, that the jam could really go off on. I mean, it was either that or Cassidy, right, is the other one mm. that would fill yeah. that kind of zone uh, without being the big let it grow kind of piece, which is almost kind of a prog rock piece compared for, yeah. for Grateful Dead, right? Um, sure. And yeah, it, 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 it swings. It has this, like, potential, and there are definitely versions, particularly early ones, where it's kind of clunky, uh, particularly on the refrain, you know, the chorus. Uh, but the lyrics are good. And yeah. it's nice and weird. I really yeah. like it. I like, um, I think this Loose Lucy is a little bit, a uh, little bit slower, but groovy. Yeah. It's kind of groovy. Jerry's sure. putting it out. Um, and then, I mean, on paper, this is really kind of short, but like Franklin's Tower is like 16 minutes long. They kind of take their time with that thing they juice it for sure there's no yeah. doubt yeah it sets the tone really for this show and you can kind of you know not to get it too far ahead of us into the second set but i kind of yeah, feel like it. you get kind of hints of what's to come i feel like uh in that franklin's tower and, and, and a couple little spots in the first set but it's you know first sets became more first setty i felt like as the 90s went on right totally and, uh in 95 was no exception and uh, but, you know, obviously, and just before we get into the Scarlet Fire, because I really feel like there's some super great magic. You got a, there's a lot there. Yeah. Like, you know, the thing the thing with 95 is, you know, we know it gets, you know, fair, fair amount of criticism and it's deserved. I get it. And we know the, the you know, the, uh, the, the David Lemieux and, and, and the vault, they're really not going to probably touch 95. Right. Uh, I don't know. Right. They're hard pressed, right? You know, they put one in the 30 years box set. 
yeah are probably like well we don't have to touch 95 for a little while but it will happen there's there's some stuff here and i think this is a good possibly a good candidate um if you look at the first sets for the rest of the run it's probably as solid as any of them you know you have like first night touch mingle with lazy river me and my uncle big river bird song right yeah. without without having listened to the bird song lately i'm going to guess that it's probably not terrible and sure. uh you know that's Never pretty cool yeah. uh set two has uh i want to tell you which is awesome i just love that they brought that out and was it 94 and uh yeah i saw that it around okay. a little bit. super nice. super great to see live yep um Warfret, the final, no, not the final, but they did a Warfret that night too. Second night, first set is a Stranger, Bertha, Schoolgirl, Peggy O, Tennessee Jed. There's the Cassidy too. You know, it's yeah. pretty good stuff. And this is like, they're all six, seven songs. They're all pretty consistent in that way. Did you see any of the spring tour? Jump I did not. Little. Okay. Yeah, no, I did not. I got turned down for mail order. And uh, uh, it really, that's another heartbreaking story. Uh, one of many uh, that, that unbroken chain that I so badly wanted to be at that Philly run. And there was just no way I could get tickets. I tried every which way that a kid at my age at the time could. And let me tell you that, that unbroken chain, I couldn't believe I missed it. Um, I drove up for that show without oh. tickets. I went to two dead shows without like left my house without tickets and and scored yeah. them both times. None of my friends got tickets that night. Tickets were wow. impossible. Nearly yeah. impossible, obviously. There were a bunch of bunk tickets going around. A couple of my friends bought bad tickets and didn't get in. Um, yeah. And uh, I had a uh, substantial trade. And uh, the guy I got the ticket from made out pretty well. But I got the unbroken chain. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> and you know, and and I'll tell you the truth though, the show wasn't doing it for me. There was sure. parts where I was like, uh, "This is not what mm, man." They're rough, and it wasn't even holding up to what I'd just seen a few weeks earlier in February. Uh, yeah, and then um, and then they did so many roads that was really nice. Jerry was, oh, he was great. And yeah, then, uh, I mean Alabama, like that that gives me a trigger. If there's an Alabama, I'm like, whoa. All right, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, I, I felt like that set was just not quite getting there. And then they played on Broken Chain. And, you know, how do you leave a show after that? Um, <laughs> um, but what? I, I don't want to get off this, but like, no, whoa, we can. Broken Chain, like, come that on. It was huge. Like, it was weird I, and crazy. I, who saw that coming? Well, I mean, I think word was out, actually. And that's, I had no idea. But when I got I to my seats, um, I was sitting kind of low on Phil's side in the spectrum and every, some of the people around me were cats who worked on dead base and like they, you know, that was kind of the family ish section kind of like they knew people and they were like, Oh, you know, they sound checked on broken chain both nights. Right. Whoa. You were in the right section. So were you like with John Scott, Mike Douglashen and uh, Stu Nixon? I mean, like, I don't, right? I don't know. Like it was like one, at least one guy who was involved with, but I don't know which one I was awesome. like, I had dead base. I was a reader of it, but I, Oh, I did the surveys. Stay. I was, yeah, I yeah. was in the trading directory. It was so much fun. 
but uh but i don't i didn't i don't re remember who i met there but uh yeah it was great somebody gave me a nice you little hologram a... sticker and they said yeah. you know this was before the show there's like you know they didn't I'm like no man I, I just i just got here today i've been in, I, but i saw him in saw him in oakland da, 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 da. i'm all jazzed you know and they're like yeah. oh this is gonna be great and it was one of those you know set break begins hugs are going all around the, you know it was it was one of those oh. great moments was it the best of the unbroken chains no but it was the first no. it was the first that's what matters i mean the yeah. roar of the crowd i try to measure grateful dead crowd reactions on bust outs are just incredible i mean the dark stars from 89 the you know the loose lucy the black-throated winds the you know all the bust the outs right the ripple and 88 like and then this one, I think, is I I think it's number one for me. What do you think? Uh, it's pretty close. I mean, it's certainly it's significance, yes. But as far as audience reaction, I think it kind of it's funny because it kind of draws out. Like it starts. There's people who know it right away, and yeah. then there's the the moment where everybody's like everybody the people who know it get you know they go yeah, and then they turn to their friend who didn't yell and they say, dude, it's Unbroken Chain. They haven't played this since <laughs> ever. And they're like, and then, and then they start singing. And there's a little bit of a roar. And then they start, he starts singing. And then everybody goes, yeah, yeah. you know, that's when it was like. And then everyone just, just everyone dead silence, right? And now, now we got to hear it. We got to hear it. And then the, then the verse finishes and then everyone comes back and then they're back in dead silence. Like what control, right? Like this audience, they knew they needed to thank them, right? And right. Then, but we really want to hear it. Well, we need to hear it. Like, I'm really glad. <laughs> and uh, and the roar after was, uh, I I seem to recall, was pretty substantial. Yeah, Box <laughs> Rain '86 is a good one. Um, yeah, the Addicts and the Dark Star, Hampton '89. But like, this one's up there. Uh, I just I love it. I listen to the audience tapes just to feel that, get the chills, and feel that energy. Just it's to incredible. feel something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. I get that. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. And uh, I can't believe you were there. That's just incredible. And uh, so right with the first note, you were, yep, they were right. I was ready for it. And I, I mean, I, I, I didn't really believe them when they had told me like, yeah. uh, oh, did they? Cool. You know, I, I heard Vince sound checking. Uh, it's a man's world. Yeah. Yeah. But did I think they were going to play it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, they, they, there's uh, somewhere, I think it's here in Jerry base that they, you know, they worked on, uh, watching the wheels in rehearsal in 95, but never yeah. played it live. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's sound check so, is sound check. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's worth talking about if you don't mind kind of just, do you know, going into a different space here that sure. with the 95 overall, and what came out of the beginning of that year, the visions of Johanna, the uh -huh. unbroken chain, the, you know, and I think the theme, right, of what we're trying to get across here is like, we know the criticism 95 gets, but the one thing I like to point out very, very well is, and particularly the show, some shows I was at where I saw it, I really saw it 627.95 in Auburn Hills. The band outside of Jerry, I feel was, was really good. And I don't think, regardless of Jerry's condition, I don't think they would have really moved into these bust outs. Alabama um, is another one. 
uh, if the band wasn't overall clicking and kind of carrying the sound. And I well, think it's really proven by how good they the band still sounded in 98. And I wasn't really big into the other ones and eventually the dead. They, they were, were all, all playing at a very high level. Even Vince had come up quite a bit. Like, there's, you know, everybody, people talk about how, you know, they had Vince dialed out of their monitors and well, they played Vince songs, so they must have had some of Vince in their monitors, you know. But um even Vince had really kind of warmed into the band. Vince is was credited by some with being the reason they busted out some of those songs. Not Unbroken Chain, that was Phil wanting to impress his kids. But Here Comes um, Sunshine in ninety two. Yeah, exactly. Um and, you know, a number of those bust outs, I think Lucy in the Sky and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe he's responsible for the Bob O'Reilly thing. He certainly sang it, it competently. I, I enjoyed it. I, other people I, I've heard really didn't, but that's their problem. Yeah, I dug sure. it. Um, <laughs> and, His vocals uh, and it, Yeah, that, that, shit, that shit is hard to sing. And I will tell you, you got a, a head full at RFK. He's going to turn your head and you're going to, who's up there? You know, right? that happens yeah. um, that uh, to a guy I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, um, they, yeah, there's this band. It's just, obviously they were, the their leader was slipping. And, you know, like on this show here, this, the 526 show, Jerry's voice is not that strong. He does a nice job on Stella blue. Um, and you know, he, and I guess I'm diving into that too, but I wasn't trying to yet, you know, and he, he, he's singing in a way that shows that he is super engaged, even if his voice is not, uh, ready to support that level of engagement. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like he's into it. Um, And in fact, on that note, speaking of Jerry being into it, why don't you talk to me about this Scarlet Fire opener? I got plenty of comments, but I want you to lead this off and tell me what you tell me your thoughts. Tell me, tell me where yeah. it takes you. Yeah, well, well, of course, uh, you know it's my favorite combo in Grateful Dead history. Um, you know, I think it's just you know, beautiful match and so many versions. And so whenever, you know, whenever it's played and I see a show or I see the set list, you know, just like anything, you know, that you would, that would draw your attention to a set list. You kind of sometimes wonder if it's, if it's going to be a good night because there was a scarlet fire. And I don't know if in the back of my head, I want to think or believe that they weren't going to pull it off if they weren't feeling good that night. Right. And perhaps there's more to the story if there's a scarlet fire on the set list. Uh, so, and I, and I feel like I found that maybe I could give examples and try to qualify that statement, but, uh, this night for sure. And I, and I was lucky, super lucky being, it was my favorite one, two punch from this band by far and wide. I mean, I, I love everything else, but, um, the magic that I felt happened in, in, in this one, two was always so special. And this, this version definitely for me was no exception. The, the, you know, while the Scarlet is what it is in 95, I, I was lucky enough to see two, um, Albany and, and Deer Creek, um, is, is tough in, in spots. Nice, yeah. yeah. So like, you know, Jerry'd had a hard time with Scarlet towards the end. I felt, 
you know, it's a punchy song and it, it requires, you know, some energy. Um, you know, it's a happy song. It's a, it's a real upbeat tune. So for him to kind of carry that, I felt it was, it was a challenge. And, and this version is no exception to there where, you know, he does slip on a verse, uh, you know, uh, runs into the, the wrong verse once. And, but really it's in the fire, of course, as always is where the magic really clicks. And, um, the, the, and this is the highlight of the show for me and uh, in, in the whole the whole third quarter here scarlet fire playing uncle john's the whole section is is incredible uh just in the sense that i felt like by the time they they really started going deep in fire that jerry really clicked it clicked in for him and he was feeling it and they were taking it to just different levels that in that you know in that space that you know, they often do, but in 95 more than ever, and I can't say it was like that in the two versions I saw this summer, uh, where the Jerry really got into a zone and the band was just a, a fierce uh, force behind him. Um, and it was just clicking on all cylinders for me. Yeah, you know, I think the Scarlet is, is pretty good, right? The jam is nice. I think the jam is really, it, it grooves, it stretches a nice bit, but um the fire is definitely where it's at like you can like you can hear them really meander a little in the in the jam um in a good way in fire there's the so jerry solos are good everybody's playing at a high level and there you can hear jerry he's really like adding on is what i was talking about with this exuberant singing you know when he is doing that he's in to it and it's it's weird i was telling i was driving with my daughter in the car and uh listening to this the other day and fire was on and jerry was you know singing and and i was like you can tell jerry's into it when he's doing that and and she's like uh-huh dad and um <laughs> and i said no really piper uh it's funny you know if jerry like kicked his leg on stage in 1995 yeah. you know everybody would go ape shit because he knew jerry's into it because jerry wasn't bothering to do anything except stand there and play unless he was getting down and yeah yes on the one hand very sad but on the other hand here we go he's getting down this fire is kicking um and you know it stretches out it's a really good long version and uh and then it goes into playing in the band like how cool yeah. like all right we're really getting it they're going after something this is this is what a great like scarlet fire playing uncle john's come on that's a killer pre-drums that's all what else you want maybe an estimated maybe nice wrong night you yeah, should, scarlet you fire playing uncle john's yeah yeah yeah, I love how you how you reference how Jerry would hang on some of those uh, vocals, uh, you know, when he you know, and he did it more in '95 than I, he always did it, and that's always been probably my issue with listening to Grateful Dead songs covered, particularly Jerry songs, is the singing. Right? Um, it's not even that you can't. It's hard to sing like Jerry, but he would often, you know, be able to just put that soul that we've talked about on the, we talked about that a lot on the, on the oh, yeah. 93 JGB tour, just the soul that he would put into his singing um, just by hitting notes in his voice and, and bringing 
it to that level that, you know, I don't feel too many people even want to attempt. Uh, it almost comes off a little flat when people sing Jerry's tunes because you're waiting for that, you know, that emphasis in the, in, in the, in the notes and the vocal notes and like really hitting it. Yeah. Um, it's where, that's where I feel the disconnect for me is when I try to listen to people do that. So anyways, he did, he did this a bunch in 95, right? Like well, it, I, I feel like, um, in spring was it spring it was in 94 spring 94 he was doing he's really like came out with a vengeance doing this sort of thing on his ballads on the better nights he would come out in the ballad and like really like throw on the extra mustard like you know on us or on a so many roads so like i mentioned that the uh the philly show with the chain you know or um Christian. Uh, was oh, the Stella Blue at Richfield in '94 was one that I saw where it was you know sandwiched in a love light, super hot, and then boom, you know Stella Blue and Jerry just gives it up it is outstanding. And you're right, like the Grateful Dead, outside of Dead fans, don't get enough credit as a soulful group. Um, and Jerry really carried that soul after Pigpen was gone. Bobby gets in there with some of his stuff, but Jerry is the you know really bringing it. Um, whether it be on yodeling in 1971, or sure. it's uh, you know this kind of stuff on the ballads, or just yeah. laying into fire on the mountain. It yeah, you know it's like Jerry, Jerry, the way Jerry sang it was just kind of like just with all that soul like you know singing fire and you know when you have maybe somebody like john kedlicek who i absolutely love and adored and he does great and and it's no uh no no disrespect to his vocals but you know he would sometimes lay it flat right um where it would just be fire on the mountain and not you know howling it like jerry would right not that not he was it's it'd be fire on the mountain it. and not fire on the mountain, you know, and I'm not going to pretend yeah. to do it here, you know, but yeah, Jerry yeah. Would like lay it out. Yeah. I, I could, I would do it if the mic were off, maybe <laughs> if I were playing by myself, <laughs> I might do yeah, it. With the acoustic guitar, no problem. Not right now, yeah, but yeah. you know, it's, and it's tough for people like John or John or John or whoever else is singing Jerry songs. Right. Um, but the soul that he would put into it and then right to the very last show, I felt like it was more than ever on display. And I don't want to read into that, but I don't so think many roles. I think it's just, you know, Jerry, I mean, it's just the same things like Hunter writing these songs about that kind of capture a, a look of mortality and the ends of things without sure. necessarily intending to capture Jerry's end or whatever but at the same time knowing he was you know it's like jerry's not necessarily singing for his life he's just he's he's in the zone and he's sharing it with us he's putting his all into it i think that's really the big takeaway he really wants yeah. to give it a, give it his all and you know i love when S steve Parrish would in on his show he he talks about how that's all jerry cared about was just playing music right that was yeah. that was it he just wanted to play. He really didn't care about the bells and whistles or the all the distractions or anything. He just wanted to play. Like it didn't matter, you know. Um, and I think that's just what we're trying to put words to is just that passion of his coming out 
in the soul that he brought to his music. So uh, super special. And I, so if there's another takeaway to 95, it really is um, when he would try and put some effort into it, not having nothing to do with missing a verse or, or a lyric uh, or what have you, uh, just when he wanted to put that little extra emphasis into it, I, I go searching for that in 95. Yeah, I mean, Jerry was, uh, he was leaving it all on the table. You think he was trying to compensate though, though, before, like, did you think he knew, like in the back of his mind, conscientiously, that maybe things were not clicking in other spaces where I'm going to put it here to kind of make up for it? I, you know, I'd hate to speculate. Um, I, I can't pretend to know, right? But I, I think that I, w I can't imagine that Jerry didn't know, right? Like he, he had to know he's not playing as well as he probably would like to at times, you know? Um, and so, yeah, maybe he was laying in a little harder to, because he felt like he'd missed, uh, you know, oh, I got that verse wrong. We're going to, let's tear up the rest of this, you know, something maybe. Um, I love the thought, you know, I know we don't know and we'll never know, but I love the thought. I really do. Yeah. It's not a bad one. Um, so yeah, playing nice little playing, not extreme. Uncle John's. I love an Uncle John's in drum space, actually. I kind of just, I love an Uncle John's. It kind of spirals out. Um, yeah. So I'm into that. It's nice, weird, MIDI space. And then, yeah, it comes into Easy Answers. Tell me your thoughts on Easy Answers. Yeah, so it, it, this is a song that gets a lot of criticism, right? And. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, and you hey, know, you picked this show, man. <laughs> true. Yeah, no, I did. I did. And you know, there's a lot of examples where uh, easy answers didn't work, right? It, whether it be in the set list, whether it be, um, you know, how it was played, or you know, Bobby's, you know, what sometimes they would call right cheesiness or uh, what he a different dynamic that he would bring to the table. But um, if I, I agree with you and I'm glad you brought up that out of space is probably not the worst placement in the world. Um, uh, I think it worked and, you know, people would probably rather see it um, in the, towards the end of a first set if they were, if they were going to see it, but um, I, I'll take Bobby out of space. I know, you know, he, he was bringing a different, and I think he liked the song. I think based on, Oh yeah what he did even after Jerry with this song kind of lended to him actually really liking it. Right. Oh yeah. They, I mean, they played it 44 times. That's, that's kind of a lot, you know, given that it, it debuted in the summer of 93. Um, it's a, uh, and it, again, a kind of like eternity, maybe not as much so, but it really took shape by the time this tour came around and For sure. Uh, you know, it wasn't perfect, but I kind of like the progression. It's got this kind of, um, you know, kind of like this build that kind of works. I could have, I could really uh, imagine a studio version with some horns, actually. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll leave everybody to imagine that. Where it's gotten, I know it got criticism many, I mean, anytime I try to bring up 913.93 coming out of space, easy answers. Another show that I feel somewhat akin to this uh, Seattle show is, you know, a show with great set list, um, 
Jerry and especially extra form and an easy answer is out of space in both shows. So, uh, so there will be people that say, you know, it definitely, you know, messes up the flow, but, um, I'm fine with it. I was fine with it on 913.93. And when I listened to this 526, um, I was pretty happy with it as well. So at that 93 show though, it landed in days between this one, which damn, uh, this one lands in a Stella blue and I think it's a pretty good Stella blue. Yeah. So when you have a night, uh, with Jerry, you know, you're sensing, you're picking up on these cues throughout the show that, you know, he's, he's having a good night and there's potential for more things to happen. Uh, I think Stella blue, uh, after, next to a morning dew is going to be right there for me and hoping that on a good night, um, I'm going to catch a Stella blue. So, and, and obviously, you know, just going with the theme of this show in the 95, keeping 95 in perspective, um, you know, I think it, it's a, it's a great spot for it. And I, and I enjoy this version. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's outstanding. And Jerry puts out, <laughs> and um, and then you know on the theme, <laughs> Bobby says, "Let's play good loving." <laughs> that Which, one, uh, so that's <laughs> good. That's good. Let's rock. Let's we gotta close this show. Let's do it. A little, yeah, little so classic. The one show I did go to with no ticket was Fall '94 Philly Spectrum, and uh, you know if you see it live in the '90s. For people like us, uh, there was no complaints, right? The song it totally was cool. Brings- yeah, yeah. It's um, it ain't it, it ain't nineteen seventy, but uh, it it's fun and uh, and it's a good it's a good rock and closer, and 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 I'm gonna say right here the encore Liberty. Um, I loved Liberty because for some reason that I can't even begin to explain, there was always plenty of room in the aisle for in the row for dancing <laughs> when they played Liberty as an encore. It's just, you know, no lack of space. And it's a fun little tune. And it's a big fuck you to establishment kind of tune. It might be a little too libertarian for me for the, the t- yeah. 21st century. But at 1995, I was having a good old time with it. Yeah, so total guilty pleasure song for me. I'm a bit of a, uh, you know, fanboy of the 93 to 95s. I, I got a kick out of I Fought the Law. And I absolutely yeah. love Liberty. I, I, I absolutely love Liberty as a song. As in 93, I loved Liberty. I was bummed at my uh, first show that I didn't get a Liberty and I got an I fought the law, but I, 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 that was an all a rock and I fought the law and I absolutely loved it and because I wasn't seeing a ton of shows. Right. You know, right. having seen Jerry 13 times, uh, you know, it was, everything was a treat for me at that time. So Liberty really came down to the lyrics for me. I mean, super clever lyrics and the beauty of Hunter and, you know, Jerry again, like Scarlet, as I kind of referenced in Scarlet, just so bubbly feeling, you know, feeling the song. And um, I have to the point of, you know, not, you know, really digging into the lyrics, uh, Chase most, I think I probably heard every version uh, because I would purposefully just want to hear different liberties and, you know, see if the tempo capped for each version. And, um, and I absolutely love the one that Justin Kreutzman put together uh, when, oh, just some great shots. He like Justin Kreutzman knew, you know, what that song meant and he just lined up the most perfect clips to kind of tell the story so that was super near and dear to my heart so yeah outside of this just being a super choice 
show for 95 and a set list like they gave me the encore I would have wanted in 95 because that's just what they were doing I wasn't you know I wasn't expecting um you know anything else expecting stuff just with another band that I think we both love is where you get into trouble right um <laughs> yeah you know I mean I saw three shows that summer and Gloria Encore my final show Lucky. Broke Down Encore, the show before that, RFK, and then the night before that, Black Muddy River. I'd have taken a Liberty. I mean, I got Black Muddy, but I'd have taken a Liberty and been happy with it. But clearly, Jerry saw the Anacostia and was like, oh, you know, that place, that thing's gross. Let's sing about it. Yeah, 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 right? I danced my butt off the Liberty. Super, super fun song for me. And I think it was pretty well said i i can't reference it right now but didn't the dead wanted to have something to bring the audience down a little a notch maybe for the encore not that gloria did that or the occasional uh, satisfaction or something like that but was that not i don't know well it, i'm not i'm not sure uh but it, this is kind of a perfect little grateful dead song How, it's got it's got a little bit of a bounce it's got robert hunter yeah. lyrics Jerry singing, got a little solo in it. It's not super long and uh, it kind of rocks. You know, okay, you want to go make some grilled cheese or get some cheap beers out of your car? Fine. But yeah. it is a good time song to me. Just like I thought the law was. Um, I thought that was perfect. It was certainly a nice uh, change out from US Blues, which had filled that slot for ages. So, for sure. you know, let's do it. I'm I'm yeah. I'm into it. I think it was good. I think it was a good song. Um, I think this is a fine version. And, and it's a good spot for it, especially yeah. if through my theory and what I feel has been spoken about in the past that they wanted to like you know not send the crowd out on a super crazy note. Um, so it's super super mellow, super chill, and uh, a fun song to end a fun a fun fun show here. Absolutely. Um, so let's see. You saw. You said you saw. Deer Creek, that's trouble times. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, I saw the first night of Albany, and I was, uh, you know, I had a bit of a conundrum. It was, you know, we had Fish on tour, and Grateful Dead tickets were really hard to come by. So um, I was super. I was the first Fish mail order, so I got really good seats, like sec, second row and fourth row for Blossom and Canandaigua, and I, I, I had to nice. go because I couldn't get Grateful Dead tickets, right? <laughs> but I got super lucky for 621 summer solstice and um, wanted a scarlet fire more than anything in the world because I hadn't seen it or seen one. To that oh, point. You got an all too much that night too. Damn. Another one. Yep. Another all yeah. too much. And, you know, I remember sitting under the viaduct with my, my, my buddies from Buffalo and uh, thinking to myself, it's summer solstice. Like scarlet fires are meant for summer solstice. Like that's what, it's about like let's you know like they 621.89 i know uh but like there's others and i think there's another show or two with with a so solstice scarlet fire but i was really calling for it that night and uh so yeah i that was super amazing that was probably my equivalent to your unbroken chain in 95 so there you go i just had all all the feels uh that entire uh that entire transition and one of the first notes super long intro uh to scarlet 
and uh, Jerry in red uh, sweatpants. So, I mean, couldn't get any better. And a walk-off morning dew where in the final same way. Final morning dew, too. Final morning dew that, uh, you know, similar to your unbroken chain experience, after that, we were, we were all hugging each other. Like, yeah. everybody that's, was hugging. That's also another easy answer is out of space. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. Another easy look at I, this followed me, right? I, yeah, uh, I really you got some patterns. In a way, it, it followed me. Um, so, uh, you know, would you do, have you hugged us? I haven't hugged a stranger personally probably since seeing the Grateful Dead. So, <laughs> maybe it fared thee well. Um, okay, I wasn't there. Yeah, were strangers truly hugging strangers over the music? Yeah, I mean, you know, Fairly Well was weird and wonderful and and weird, uh, but you know, it felt like um, a high school reunion where you didn't quite know anybody at your school, but they all looked kind of familiar. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, everyone came back finally because I would often say, like, where did everybody go? Yeah. So it was a little bit like that. So. Yeah, it didn't. You know, it felt like when Jerry uh, went away, a lot of people went away. And, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I literally had a conversation with a guy who was telling me, yeah, well, you know, after uh, Jerry died, you know, my wife and I, we uh, bought a place and uh, had some kids and da, 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 and here we are 20 years later, kids are out of the house. Like, holy shit. Yeah. You timed that perfectly, yeah. fella. Um, yeah. <laughs> now yeah. it's time to go on Dead and Company tour and uh, get your John Mayer in, I guess. Um, yeah. Catch it on the back end for sure. Yeah, man. All right. Hey, Lenny, this has been a lot of fun. I don't, I'm going to play everybody like a big chunk of the show and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, maybe not the whole thing. I might play them the same thing. I don't know. Should I play them the same thing? No, don't Why not? If you, think it's, <laughs> if you think it's a good version, shit. All right. How many tunes do you usually, how much music? Do I don't you know. We'll probably, we'll probably get them about an hour. So we might not have room for that one. Uh, but there's plenty more that they can look forward to uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but again, I want to say thank you for sitting down to talk with me. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I yes. really enjoyed digging into this show and just talking about 95. Um, and now I really have this urge to go listen to a version of Way to Go Home. <laughs> See, that's 93 for me, but still. I know, but uh, still. Yeah. <laughs> It's all part of it. No, I totally agree. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Jonathan. This was awesome. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, I will see you on the internet. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. All right, man.
Street. 
Still a blue. 